Welcome to episode number 33 on the My Story Podcast. On the My Story Podcast, we feature interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell us their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, I'm Conrad Weaver, your host for the show. What is it like growing up in a country where travel is restricted? What would your vision of the world be like? It's a funny thing to ask right now as we're in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis of 2020. You're probably thinking, well, that's what we're experiencing right now. We can't go very many places. Well, Yuria Kirpa had a dream. A dream to explore the world. She wanted to sail across the sea like so many other adventurers have done. But as a young girl living in the Soviet Union, this was only a dream. Today on the My Story podcast, you'll hear Yulia tell her story. She is a partner at one of the leading law firms in Ukraine, and she and her firm work with global companies like Samsung, Google, and the European Commission. Today, Yulia travels the world working on projects for her law firm, and she leads a sailing team that is a game changer in the European sailing world. Stick around for her compelling story. Hey, if you have a story to tell, I would love to work with you to bring it to the world. Whether it's a business story or a personal story, if you have something to say that the world needs to hear, my purpose is to help you tell your story. I would love to work with you to produce a documentary or a podcast to get your message to the world. Send me an email at conrad at conjostudios.com and let's work together to share your message and change the world. And now... Here's my interview with Yulia Kirpa. Yulia, welcome to the My Story podcast. It is so good to have you here. Thank you, Conrad. Pleasure is mine. So tell me, Yulia, tell me a little bit about where you are and tell me who you are and what do you do? I am now in Ukraine, in Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine. I am a lawyer by profession, and I'm a partner in Equo Law Firm. It's a local law firm in Ukraine, which is listed among top 20 most innovative law firms in Europe. So we are viewed as quite advanced and modern local law firm. So you have accomplished many great things with, with your law firm, and I want to talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk a little bit about uh, how did you get to where you are today? I was born in the Soviet Union, actually, before its collapse. So I was born in 1983, and in 1991, the Soviet Union as a country collapsed completely. So even in my CV, I have a place of birth, in the country which does not exist anymore. Mm. So that changed our life dramatically because the whole system of coordinates changed. And throughout my years of education at school, I decided to become a lawyer, basically because I wanted to help people and to change the world for the better to a degree and entered a law department and then graduated. After that, I worked for a bank, I started practicing finance law. Hmm. 
and then moved to legal practice and um, in 2014, so five, five and a half years ago, Equal Firm was established. So do you, I know you were very young, but do you remember living under the Soviet Union? Yeah, I remember it very well because my childhood still represents one of the brightest and the most important impressions of my life as that world was so different from the world we know today. So I still remember my childhood very well. And those uh, six years which I lived in the Soviet Union, I can describe at least uh, four out of six years, I can describe very precisely. What was the, what's the biggest change or difference that you, that you remember? The biggest change is uh, definitely a possibility to live in the country with open borders. Mm. Because I remember when I was a little kid and I looked at the political map and discussed with my grandparents um, whether it would be possible or not to travel abroad and to visit other countries like United States and Canada. They actually interested me a lot because they were so far away, they were so distant, and I really wanted to explore some other parts of the world. But my grandparents explained me uh, very fast that it was not an option at all because we lived in the country with the closed borders and nothing was going to change. Mm -hmm. And um, that was quite difficult to understand that idea, to accept it at that time, on the other hand, that was the life I knew it. And I was growing up with the idea that I would never be able to travel abroad. So the biggest change was to experience a different world and to be able to travel internationally and to become basically a world citizen without any restrictions and without any borders. So that was a nice bonus and quite unexpected, something mm -hmm. that was not written in the books, I would say. Do you remember that moment of time when that freedom took place and all of a sudden life was different? Do you remember that? Yes, definitely. Because that happened when I was 10 years old and I met in person the first foreigner in my life. Mm -hmm. The first foreigner came to Ukraine and visited our school. That was a woman from Canada with Ukrainian roots. Mm -hmm. And she came to um, establish connections between Ukraine and Canada due to her Ukrainian origin. And I remember how all kids at school looked at that uh, Canadian lady like she was an alien, mm -hmm. like somebody from another planet speaking different language, telling about absolutely different life. And that's when I understood that actually the borders are already open, at least one way. And that it would be possible for all of us to travel and to explore life in other countries and to eventually to integrate Ukraine into the um, world instead mm. of um, remaining quite isolated country like we used to be in um, early 90s and in mid 90s as well. Mm -hmm. What I mean, I mean, Ukraine is an amazing country. I've been there 
four times now, and the people are amazing. What brings you the most pride when you talk about Ukraine? My people, I mean Ukrainians, they definitely bring me pride and I am proud of a Ukrainian nation as such because in contrast to other countries, last 30, 40 years were so difficult, but Ukrainians always uh, fought for freedom, a freedom of choice, freedom of media, freedom of travel, freedom of being able to build and develop our own country, to protect our territory and everything like that. And uh, despite all external and internal difficulties, the nation remained united at least most of the time. First of all, people supported Ukraine's independence. In 1991, there was a referendum where 90% of the population voted against the Soviet Union for the independence of Ukraine, which allowed Soviet Union to collapse because in other republics, uh, trends were the same and allowed uh, Ukraine to get independence and develop allowed us to develop our own country. And after that, there were several revolutions. Some of them were peaceful, but the latest one, which took place in 2014, and which is known uh, as the Revolution of Dignity, basically uh, proved that Ukrainians are ready to die if necessary, but to protect the freedom and democracy in our country. Of course, in Ukraine, democracy is just forming. It's in the process of establishment, I would say. And that's why those early stages were important and it was really necessary to protect those gains from falling apart, to achieve freedom of media and a possibility to have fair elections and again people showed that they are not ready uh, or they were not ready at the time to accept um, a dictatorship and overthrew the president uh, known as a dictator Viktor Yanukovych in order to support democratic country. Mm-hmm. What do you think is perhaps a misconception that those of us who live in the West, in the U.S. or Canada, what's our biggest misconception of Ukraine and and how would you respond to that? I think uh, most of people still confuse Ukraine and Russia because uh, both countries used to belong to the Soviet Union and that's why uh, people think that Ukraine and Russia are similar, which is not the case at all. Also, not all people abroad know about the ongoing military conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And that's why I think they confuse these two countries even more often. And think that we are the same, while in reality those two countries have totally different history, 
different mentality, different languages. And especially now, I think uh, they keep growing apart while many people don't know and don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the, the events that happened in Ukraine a little over 30 years ago, I think really sticks out to most people when they think of Ukraine. If they haven't visited, they think, you know, first of Chernobyl and they think of, oh, that terrible thing that happened. And uh, can you describe that and, and what's happening today at Chernobyl? Yeah, uh, the change was definitely very big compared to how everything looked like in April uh, 1986 when Chernobyl plant exploded. This explosion was very dangerous and uh, many people who, who were involved into liquidation of the consequences of the explosion, they died uh, quite shortly after those dramatic events. My grandfather, he was also one of the liquidators of mm-hmm. Chernobyl plant explosion and uh, passed away relatively early because um, uh, his health was um, uh, damaged quite a lot as a result of those events. And I was just uh, two years old when uh, Chernobyl plant exploded, so I remember some fragments of Uh, those times and I remember how I was with my parents and my younger brother in exile for six months Mm -hmm. as we were not able to return back to Kiev since the whole uh, northern and central part of Ukraine was uh, quite uh, quite affected by the explosion. Did you live near Chernobyl when you were young? No, I lived in Kiev but Kiev was also affected because it's located in the center, but still close to the north. And the wind was blowing this way. Mm. So Kiev was also affected and some schools and kindergartens were evacuated. Those mm. who were able to, to afford this evacuation for summer holidays, they brought um, all the children to some villages or small places in the south of the country mm-hmm. and we were not going to school at the time so we just uh, traveled with our mother and returned back six months later mm-hmm. to Kiev so it was definitely dangerous for the health and mostly men stayed in Kiev because they had to work and keep the economy growing mm-hmm. uh, nowadays uh, Chernobyl exclusion zone is almost um, not dangerous, at least um, if you walk on the pavements or on the roads where asphalt is placed instead of uh, soil or grass, it's not dangerous anymore. And I've been there twice myself. Mm. So on the way out, I was tested like everyone else and people when they leave exclusion zone, they pass tests to measure the level of radiation. And in 99.9% of cases, they actually have zero radiation on their clothes, on their skin or hair. So it's quite difficult to catch radiation if you decide to explore exclusion zone, unless you try to do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. There's and actually tour groups, right? That take people up there to, uh, to visit. 
Yeah, uh, a year ago I actually met several tour groups and each of them included at least 30 people. Mm. Most of them traveled from the United States. I think that happened because HBO released uh, so interesting documentaries about uh, Chernobyl mm -hmm. and that really developed uh, some interest and um, big numbers of visitors. But um, besides that, even animals returned to the Chernobyl zone and they decided to live there com consistently for the entire period of time and they're not uh, planning uh, to come back to other forests because I think they find it quite comfortable uh, to live and in there's the There's no exclusion. people there, right? Exactly, exclusion <laughs> zone because it's quite calm and they are not disturbed that much. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, more than 30 years ago. Today we have coronavirus, the, the, the COVID-19. How has that impacted your country? Ukraine took some restrictive measures and exercised them early on because I think our officials noticed how badly things developed in China and how much Italy was suffered. And then uh, United States became the next epicenter of coronavirus. So uh, Ukraine's borders were shut and businesses were shut early on, which allowed us to break the chains of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And that's why Ukraine was not affected that much compared to most of the countries in Europe and compared to the States. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, life is probably similar to it is here. You're locked in in your home or and you can't go out much. And so how, is that impacting the economy there? Uh, uh, definitely. Uh, same as across the globe. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Ukraine will face GDP decrease in the amount 11% at least this year, which is quite significant. Mm -hmm. But in the United States, it could be even more as far as I understand. Mm -hmm. Also... I need to say that um, in Ukraine, restrictive measures were not so severe. People are still allowed to go to the offices if needed. Yes. They were recommended to take uh, some preventive measures. But I am now sitting in my office where I have been every day since uh, quarantine was established. Mm -hmm. So, um, most of uh, employees of ECWO work remotely, but mm -hmm. top management uh, keeps uh, coming to the office every working day, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, and besides that, people are allowed to use their personal cars to drive around the city, to do shopping, and to do other necessary things if they wear masks and use sanitizers for their hands. But these restrictions are far less severe compared to those existing in some other countries where phone apps are used to keep an eye on people and make sure that they actually sit at home or where people are allowed to shop only in the area, which is within one kilometer from their house. It's not like that in Ukraine at all. So 
we shouldn't complain too much. Mm-hmm. So in your law firm, what are you most proud of, of the things that you all have accomplished? Cause you've accomplished some amazing things and have, have won some really prestigious awards. What, what's the, those things that you're most proud of in your work? I think I'm most proud of my team in Equo, which is entire team of our law firm, because each practice group achieved um, amazing things in their areas of expertise. Each of my partners is a very bright and talented personality, and each of them has amazing achievements. In relation to my own practice, I think uh, one of the biggest things we managed to achieve is to always remain at the forefront of legal industry and being always ready to solve the situation regardless of the level of difficulty. For instance, in 2014, after the revolution of dignity, when Ukraine had a temporary government appointed not completely based on Ukrainian constitution, we had to uh, support the transaction of granting macrofinancial assistance by the European Union to Ukraine and had to explain in legal terms that it was fine to rely on the temporary government, despite we didn't have any clauses or articles in the constitution stating that such temporary government could be appointed in case the president disappears out of a sudden. So that was a very challenging task because many things in Ukraine required financing from the EU and this support was crucial. Mm-hmm. And we were very happy that we managed to convince EU to implement certain legal structures which allowed Ukraine to borrow funding from abroad and to inject financing into our economy in order to implement reforms and develop the country further. Basically, bringing it closer to the European Union and implementing EU directives into Ukrainian legislation, which was a key part of the integration. And you're also involved currently with some of the the financial work with Ukraine. I know you met with the the Minister of Finance last week, and and especially with this COVID, uh, the, the stress that's putting on your economy, you're working with some things there, right? Yeah, basically we are trying to work um, on some programs of macrofinancial assistance from EU to Ukraine. Uh, from other international financial institutions to Ukraine as a state and to restructure indebtedness of some Ukrainian state-owned institutions towards the Ministry of Finance Mm -hmm. because of the current crisis. It's important to solve difficulties in the economy early on so that Ukraine uh, could keep developing according to the plan. Mm Do you think that, I mean, Ukraine is not currently a part of the EU officially. Do you think that that will happen or is that the desire of the Ukrainian people? Uh, Definitely, it is a desire of Ukrainian people. That's why 
the revolution of dignity took place mm -hmm. because, because our former president refused to sign association mm -hmm. agreement with the EU. And now, although we are not uh, officially uh, a member of the EU, we are associated member mm -hmm. of the European Union and we have association agreement in place um, based on which Ukraine undertook to bring its legislation in line with the EU requirements and implement EU directives into our local legislation. Mm. That's the first uh, step of integration process. And besides that, after association agreement uh, was signed, many uh, things developed in the country, which brought us closer to the European Union. Uh, free trade developed much more and many other processes and procedures got streamlined. Investments started coming from the EU. Ukrainian companies got access to EU markets. And this process is developing. I think, um, especially given EU uh, support, uh, those changes which uh, took place in 2014, they are already irreversible. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, this, I mean, Ukrainian politics has always been fascinating for me to watch and to, and to hear and to read about. But something that you and I both, and I think this is why you and I originally connected, is sailing. I, I discovered your, I think it was Instagram post. You had some photos of sailing and, and I saw you were Ukrainian and that was unusual. And so we connected via, via Instagram. So tell me about your interest in sailing. How did that start and, and what are you doing today with sailing? Well, it's quite interesting story because most of people start sailing as little kids and then they develop their sailing skills throughout their lifetime. In my case, everything happened differently because in the Soviet Union, um, sailing wasn't really an option. I think very few people could afford sailing in the Soviet Union and basically those people used to belong to the families of sailors. In my case, I was dreaming about sailing my entire life. And once I got the opportunity, I started sailing as an adult, being 32 years old from complete scratch. Hmm. So on that basis, I developed a team. I, I learned how to sail a bit myself, and then I developed a team. Um, and that team showed quite good result and good progress within a short time frame with some uh, relatively limited exercises and trainings. Uh, our team won the nationals mm. in Ukraine twice and also medaled several times in the European events, um, having participated uh, in the UK nationals, in the Portuguese nationals, in the combined Belgium and Dutch nationals. And I think that was a bit unexpected because as especially I, I started sailing so late from scratch, but I managed to put amazing team together, which um, helped us to overcome difficulties and to overcome my lack of 
knowledge and lack of any relation to sailing in the childhood. And that's why as the team became successful, I decided to create a crossover between the sailing team and the law firm. As the law firm um, became known in the market, I think um, at the start as a game changer law firm, because the law firm also became successful and advanced and um, was able to look at things from different angles. Uh, the law firm was described by the Financial Times as a game-changer law firm mm. for changing the game in the legal industry. Mm-hmm. I decided to create a crossover with the sailing team and named the sailing team game-changer sailing mm. team <laughs> also, <laughs> which was a game-changer in a way because if you look at best teams in the world, it's very very rarely you can find quite successful team with an amateur helm or helmswoman <laughs> in my case who would uh, who would not have any connection to sailing as a child but then would learn sailing quickly and manage to create an amazing team able to show good results where do you think that desire came from childhood. Was it through things you've read or thing? You, you, where did that interest start? I think I always uh, admired explorers of the world. And I thought that the most interesting way to explore the world, to open a new lands and territories was through sailing. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, inspired by some sailors like Christopher Columbus and, and, other ones and waited for this opportunity to become available for me and once the opportunity was there once situation in ukraine started developing um, and the life changed for the better i got this opportunity when it was there because the law firm was already established and i at least had some spare time on the weekend so i was looking for some options to implement my dream from the childhood. But basically, the major success of the game-changing team is uh, actually a synergy we have together. Mm. Because uh, everything that the team achieved um, and will achieve, hopefully, in the future um, happened because of synergy between different team members. Every one of them, except for me, is very talented and skillful sailor. I'm just I'm sure learning. you're very talented as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am just learning, but I think together we are much better than each of us separately. Mm. And that's basically the key driver of the team, that together we are better than alone. And would you say that's true as, as well in your law firm? Definitely. Even clients um, notice that often and tell it explicitly that we are all good lawyers, but together we create uh, a synergy which is difficult to find, both in Ukrainian legal market and internationally. I think this is the key behind any successful team, Mm. because 
teams should not be confused with a single person sport or single person business. Mm-hmm. Now, where there in, in, in Kiev, there, there's a river there. Is that where you sail on, on the river? Uh, we sail on the Dnipro River and we sail on so called Kiev Sea, which is actually an artificially created lake mm-hmm. to provide the city with the electricity. The dam was um, built on the river and separated the river and this artificially created lake known as Kiev Sea. Mm-hmm. And you have good wind there for sailing? In Kiev Sea, we have um, a good wind in spring and in autumn. In summer, it's 50-50. It depends mm-hmm. on the day and on the forecast. But um, we have more than 20 knots of wind in, in spring and in autumn most of the time. Mm. Wow. Well, you know, I think you're your drive for sailing is is similar to mine. I grew up listening to a radio program that had, it was, it was, it was a child's story about a sailor and his adventures around the world. And that's what motivated me to learn how to sail. And I don't sail regularly, but, uh, I, I, I love sailing. And one day I hope to have my own boat and be able to sail to the Bahamas or wherever I want to go. And so that's, that's one of my dreams to, to accomplish. And, uh, I, I keep looking at, uh, sailboats that are for sale <laughs> and I have to say, wait, 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 not yet. <laughs> and uh, we actually do the same during coronavirus because I think there would be many good options soon. And I have similar dreams to yours. So I also hope to cross the Atlantic ocean and to sail from Portugal to New York, Mm. for instance. So I hope those dreams will be implemented one day. And if you are in Ukraine, sooner or later, you definitely should sail with us on KFC. I will definitely do that. That's that's on my list of things to do. And when you come to the US, I have a friend with a brand new sailboat and it's like a 45 foot sailboat. It's pretty big. And yeah. I know he has it down in near Baltimore. I know he would love to take you out and go sailing. So we'll, when you come Thank to the U.S., you. we'll have to do that. That would be lovely. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. So tell me, who has been the biggest influence in your life? I think my father influenced um, on me more than other people because um, he always told me that your character is your destiny, meaning that the way you approach difficulties and the way you tackle them then becomes your destiny. And that I always remembered. He also taught me never to feel sorry for myself, never to be afraid of anything and believe in myself and believe that I could handle any difficulties, whatever they are. So I think those key values installed early on, they helped me later to remain calm and confident during challenging times Mm. in Ukraine and worldwide also. I cannot say that I am too stressed Mm -hmm. because of coronavirus and global crisis and everything. I, in contrast to some people, think that 
we need to do every day the best we can and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So what, what's one of those life lessons you've learned along your journey? I think one of the most important lessons is that nothing lasts forever. Hmm. Good times don't last forever and bad times don't last forever too. So we need to be agile and we need to be able to adapt to changes because there will be many changes and challenges on our way. Hmm. And, and also, I believe in the universe whatever it means mm -hmm. in my case uh, when i say i believe in universe i mean so-called global order mm -hmm. so i believe that eventually everything is fair in life sometimes you just need to wait but definitely you will receive sooner or later what you deserve mm. and and you will receive rewards based on your efforts hmm. or results some results you will receive if you actually put no efforts you will receive the relevant results <laughs> meaning that mm -hmm. they would be disappointing mm -hmm. and that's why i just try generally to be a good person to be a good fair and supporting leader for equity team to listen to various opinions, to support people to the extent I can, to motivate them, to find a way for Equo and the team to develop even in these challenging times, to find an opportunity to support our clients in the best possible way despite the quarantine restrictions and despite current difficulties to make sure that we are always available for them and always ready to help. Mm -hmm. Do you view difficult times like this as motivation to, uh, as an opportunity to do great things? Challenging times mm -hmm. are always opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. They are opportunities uh, to become better. Mm -hmm. And we try to use uh, quarantine and existing restrictions as the opportunities to become better, to become better experts, better lawyers, to become more agile as a team and to support our clients even better than before. So you don't wait around until this blows over to, to move forward. You, you move forward now. You, you work hard, right? I would say that we move forward now even faster than mm -hmm. before because we have to be agile something that clients would forgive you in good times, they would not forgive you in bad mm -hmm. times. They would mm -hmm. always remember if you were not there to assist them when they needed you the most. Mm. And also, I don't remember that the life will, will return back to normal in a month or so. I think it will take between a year or two mm -hmm. to get back to life as we knew it. So we definitely did not postpone or suspend anything work-related or development-related. We just had to rethink and reshape the business and adjust to the new reality.
Boy, that is such an important message to for people to understand. We can't sit here and worry about the present or the future. We have to move forward into that future because this is the new reality, right? And this is where we, well, this is an opportunity for all of us to get better and to become better, to be a better human being, to be better at business and to, to, uh, to move forward into the future. Exactly. That's exactly how I look at it and how we look at it in Equo law firm. And I hope um, that better future will come soon for the whole world. Me too. I hope so too. So just a couple more questions. So I, I make films and make documentaries and in uh, when you're making a movie, you always create a what's called a log line. Log line is that phrase or sentence that describes the movie. So when the movie about your life is made, what will the log line be? I think the log line would be um, be the change you want to see. Mm. I like it. Yeah. I think um, that um, delivers a message that changes start from you. Mm. And every one of us can be the change we want to see in the world. Hmm. Because uh, we influence on our lives in each way. And to a degree, everyone has an influence on the lives of the whole world. I think hmm. um, current crisis and coronavirus is yet another one reminder that we are all responsible for the present and the future. Mm-hmm. And all the changes should start from us. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. So what's the, what's the next big thing for you? I look forward to seeing my colleagues, not only via Zoom, but in reality. It would be a big thing when I'm able to hug them again. Mm-hmm. I hope it will happen in a month or so, but I'm really looking forward to that day. Hmm. I also hope to be able to travel soon again. And I think once international travels are resumed, I will have to travel because of work to keep working on my cross-border deals to support my international clients who invested in Ukraine a lot and they would need some support on the ground not only remotely so that would be interesting and i i keep looking forward to that a lot and also i had quite ambitious sailing plans for 2020 uh, i still hope that they will be implemented and that uh, some sailing events will not be cancelled because the situation will start improving soon and perhaps there is a chance to participate in the World Championship in Portugal in September, as was planned earlier, and to participate in a couple of other interesting international regattas in the UK and in Portugal. It would be also great to see my friends from the fleet and to discuss with other teams how they survived um, in the crisis and how their uh, stories developed, what um, they learned 
in life and in sailing, it's always nice to see your friends, uh, your sailing friends also because the boat I sail as B20 has such a good fleet worldwide and we are so great community of people who are passionate about sailing and they are also very interesting people in life not only in sailing very good well i hope that you'll get to uh join the the the, the competition in portugal this september that would be fantastic and i'll be sure to be watching and i hope so too (laughs) thank you sure so uh well thank you so much for for taking time today to talk with me on the My Story podcast. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your time and your insight and your story. Pleasure is all mine, Conrad. Thank you. And I hope to see you soon somewhere in the world, in Ukraine or in the States. That would be fantastic. Julia, for taking time to talk with me. I'm so glad we met and I hope to one day go sailing with you and your team. Dreams do come true. We don't have to be stuck in our world of imagination. If we work hard and we make an effort, we can make our dreams come true. So go out there and work hard. Do your part to make your dreams come true. Hey, if you enjoy these podcasts and think that more people should listen, I would heartily agree. So why don't you give me a review on Apple Podcasts? Then share this episode with a friend. You can send it through a text message or an email or through a Facebook post. And be sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. The music on today's show is from my friend Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. Last, be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss an episode. And if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next time on the My Story Podcast.